I'd like for you to turn to the book of Joshua, chapter number 8, verse 30, beginning. Now, Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, as as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. Then all Israel with their elders and the officers and judges stood on either side of the ark before the ark, uh, before the priests, the Levites who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well as he who was born among them. Now watch this, half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim, and half of them in front of Mount Ebal. Now they have gone past Gilgal. They're in their promised land now. They've gone past Gilgal, past Jericho. They have now gone past Ai. And they have come to a city that is called Shechem. It's the next city up the road. It is situated between two mountains that look a great deal alike. I've been there. One mountain is very bald, it's denuded, there is no vegetation to speak of that grows on the mountain. That's Mount Ebal. The word Ebal literally means without covering or without vegetation. It's bald. The other mountain is Mount Gerizim. It looks like a lot like Mount Ebal, only it is covered with less vegetation, trees. It's covered with, with shrubs and grass, and it's green. And so they're standing before one that is brown and is unfruitful and the other that has fruit trees and it is green and lush and productive. And right in the middle is the Ark of the Covenant. And the tribes are divided, six on one side, six on the other. They actually build an altar on the side of Mount Ebal. It's not in the middle of the valley. It's right on the side of Mount Ebal. And there they pray. Mount Ebal is the Mount of Curses, and Mount Gerizim is the Mount of Blessings. And the Bible says that they put them there as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. This is Joshua doing the reading. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. And then in Proverbs chapter number 10, verse number 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. I find that believers often take it for granted that we understand the terms of the kingdom, and yet a term that means one thing to one person might mean something else altogether to another. I noticed that when I, the first time I went to Argentina many years ago, I was talking with some people and they were talking about football, and I thought, well, that's a conversation that I can join in, right? Football because football is big in America. As we talked, I discovered we were not talking about the same thing. 
I was talking about an oblong ball made of pigskin and big old guys on the field with crashing into each other. And they were talking about a round ball that you were not supposed to touch with your hands. Two different terms, or rather two different meanings for the same term. I find that the word blessing is like that. Many people think that blessing means one thing and others think it means something else. Notice that Proverbs did not say that the blessing of the Lord is riches, for example. It's what some people believe. Rather, it says it will make you rich. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. You can actually be rich in different ways. You can be rich in family. And that's one of the greatest treasures that you can have. Trust me, if you've got all the money in the world, but your family life is all messed up, you are not a happy person. Oh, I wish I could hear an amen. And you can be rich in health. And if you are struggling in your health and you are barely holding on to life, all the money in the world doesn't mean anything to you at that point. Because there are some riches that are actually greater and more important than money. The blessing of the Lord, according to this verse, will bring riches. It will make one rich. I want somebody to say that. I will be rich. Say it. Because of the blessing of the Lord. But what that word rich means may be a little different from person to person. But the blessing of the Lord upon someone's life actually is a condition that exists. It's not money. And the song said that, that Stephanie sang a while ago. I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. That's really the truth. The blessing of the Lord is actually greater than money. It's greater than possessions. It is a state of being. It can cause wealth but it is actually much, much greater than money. Today, I want to speak from the subject choosing to be blessed instead of choosing a blessing. Choosing to be blessed instead of choosing a blessing. Would you pray with me? Father, today, we declare our gratitude for all that you have done for this building, for the efforts of the people of God, the sacrifices for every blessing of God upon our lives, every good thing that you've done for us. But I ask you this morning, Lord, to open your word to our understanding and let your word speak with authority and clarity in our lives that we will be able to receive from you what your word wishes to impart in our hearts today. Your word contains principles that if we embrace them will cause our lives to be elevated. And if you breathe on us, inspire us with the breath of God, which is what the word inspire means. If you breathe on us and we embrace the principles of your word, we cannot help but be elevated. That's the message of the Bible. And so we ask that today in the name of Jesus and everybody said Amen. Would you shout it out loud? Amen. How's the sound out there? Is it echoing still? Or are you guys okay? They're, they're shaking their head. Big echo. We have to work on it. Get that done. Amen. 
The last two Sundays were Palm Sunday and Easter weekend. Before that, we were in a series about how we can possess our promised land. Everybody has a promised land, a place they want to go, a something they're dreaming of, praying for, whether that's family, whether that's a business they want to launch, a ministry, whatever it is, we all have our promised land. This building is a part of Inspire Church's promised land. One of the things that happens is when your spiritual covering moves into the, its promised land, you get drafted in the process. It's kind of like these cars at the Indy 500. They don't drive a safe distance behind each other. We're told at least two car lengths, right? Uh, they get right on one another's bumper because the draft of the car in front of them will pull them along. In that same way, when your covering moves into its promised land, you get drafted or pulled towards your promised land as well. Speaking of promised land in this building, next Sunday night will be our dedication. We've got Tony Suarez on Sunday morning. Can somebody give God some praise? He is considered to be one of the best speakers in the United States. You will want to have, you will want to be here and have your family and friends here. And that night, John Maxwell, don't miss it. It's going to be unbelievable. This place will be packed, so I'm going to ask you to come early. But when we look in the Bible at how Israel came to possess their promised land, we can learn from the Bible how we can possess our promises as well. How Israel came to possess their promised land is basically told in the stories of what happened at each of the first three cities they came to in their conquest of Canaan. The first city was Gilgal. It was the place where those who had not been circumcised because they had been born in the wilderness were circumcised as they entered into their land of promise. This is significant in that you can't enter into your promised land with the old way of thinking. We have to be renewed in our mind. They were already the children of Israel, the children of God, but they were coming into their place of promise. If you don't change the way you think and you come into your promise, you will cause your promise to become like your wilderness. You have to change the way you think. And so this has to do with putting off the old man. We were inculcated or indoctrinated into a fallen world. The world around us embraces principles that lead to loss, not to gain. And we were raised among people that embraced those. We were taught those. You have to empty your head of that to embrace the teachings of the word of God that promote life. The second city they came to was Jericho, which represents the strongholds that we must overcome in our lives. Everybody has them. We needn't pretend we don't. Every single one of us have issues that we deal with because this flesh is not perfect. This flesh will always be flesh. It will cause us to be tempted, cause us to struggle. And we have strongholds we must deal with. But the good news is that if we will confront them, just like at Jericho, God made the walls fall supernaturally, guess what will happen? God will supernaturally act to make your walls come tumbling down too. Can somebody say amen? You don't have to live hemmed in by those things the rest of your life. You don't. The third city they came to was the city of Ai, which means a ruined heap. Is the sound getting any better out there? 
Amen. It is? I hope so. Amen. And Ai means a ruined heap. It's like a city that's already been defeated. It's so interesting that they were able to march right through Gilgal, come to Jericho, which was the strongest city that existed in the promised land, and defeat it supernaturally and come to a no-name place that was basically just a hole in the road, and they stumbled there, and the people of Ai defeated them. It's crazy. Have you ever seen people that conquer the most impossible of obstacles, overcome the greatest challenges, and then stub their toe on little bitty things that you wonder how in the world they ever mattered to that person? Amen. It happens to us all the time. That's the human condition. The problem with AI was disobedience. And when once they addressed the disobedience of Achan, they got back on track again. As I've said, AI should not have been anything more than a speed bump in the road. And yet they stumbled and were defeated. After they corrected the disobedience problem, God allowed them to conquer AI and they then came to the city of Shechem and these two mountains, Mount Ebal on one side, Mount Gerizim on the other. To understand the blessings and the curses that were read to the people there by Joshua, you must look back to the book of Deuteronomy. We don't have time to read it all. But let's at least read the first part of these verses that Moses instructed Joshua to read to the people. Moses said prophetically, Joshua, you're going to get there. I want to say a word over somebody in this house. You're going to get there. Amen. It may not look like it right now, but you are going to get there. I need somebody to put their hand on their chest and say, I'm going to get there. Would you do that? I I don't know what that means to you and what it means to your family. But prophetically, Moses said, Joshua, you're going to get there. And when you do, I want you to repeat these words that I'm going to give you. The words that he is talking about are found in Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14. And I've got to get through, go through this quickly. Now, it came to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations. I want somebody to say, I'm getting ready to be elevated. Would you do that? Say it like you mean it. I'm getting ready to be elevated. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And he begins to list a a list of blessings that are going to overtake us. Now what is fascinating is that in the Hebrew, the word overtake means to chase you down, grab hold of you, and not let you go. I looked it up in Strong's Concordance. Chase you down, grab hold of you, and not let you go. I need somebody in this house to say, blessings are going to chase me down, grab hold of me, and not let me go. Uh, You're worried about losing a blessing. God said, I'm going to grab hold of you and not let you go. Hallelujah. Blessed will you be in the city and the country. Blessed be the fruit of your body, produce of your ground, increase of your herds, your cattle, offspring of your flocks. Blessed be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. 
The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated. They'll come in against you one way and flee out seven different ways. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's me he's talking about right now. I've got that promise on my life. Hallelujah. The Lord will command the blessing. I need you to see that. Not a blessing. I need you to say the Lord will command the, come on, say it, the, the blessing on your storehouse, all you set your hand. He will bless you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. That's a word for somebody. You've rented long enough. God's getting ready to give you some land. I'm serious. The Bible is about elevation. You reflect the good nature of God in your life. Hallelujah. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself. Just as he sworn, if you keep the commandments and walk in his ways, then all the peoples of the earth shall see you that are called by the name of the Lord. And they shall be afraid. The word means in awe. They will be like, wow, of you. The Lord will grant you plenty of goods, the fruit of your body, increase of livestock, produce of ground. In the land, the Lord swear to give to your fathers to give you. He will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give you rain in your land in its season. The spiritual application for rain is revival. Tell somebody it's getting ready to rain on Inspire Church. Revival is coming. Revival is coming. Revival is coming to this city. Yes, it is. He'll bless all the work of your hand. You will lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. I need somebody to say my days of being in debt are coming to an end. Would you do that? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Amen. Amen. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You'll be above, but not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord, which I command you and be careful to observe them. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words, which I command you this day to the right or to the left to go after other gods, to serve them. These, this is what Joshua was reading to the children of Israel. We don't have time to read all the verses, but there were also curses that were pronounced if this covenant was broken, because this was a covenant. These were the covenant promises God made to Israel as a result of the covenant he established at Mount Sinai. And what better representation of these two things could there be than a bald, denuded mountain on one side and a lush, forested mountain on the other that is filled with fruit and trees? God said, you get to choose. Tell somebody, you get to choose. Would you do that? God doesn't choose for you. You get to choose. You get to choose whether you're going to have a blessing or be blessed. There's a difference in the two. Moses concluded the words of the covenant by saying, Deuteronomy 30, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Say it. Choose life. One more time. Choose. It's your choice. 
You choose life that both you and your descendants may live. You see, you not only get to choose, but your choice affects future generations. You're making the right choice because you want your kids to be blessed and your grandchildren to be blessed and future generations to be blessed. Amen. Now, most believers, when they read Deuteronomy 28, they always think it's about receiving individual blessings. Well, I'll take that one about my storehouse being blessed. That one about me being blessed when I come in or go out. They don't realize that when you read these promises, that what's actually going on is there is a covenant that God is, has made with Israel where he promises them more than just an individual blessing. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. Not a blessing. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. Now watch this. A blessing refers to a gift. It might be a single gift. But, but the blessing is something else altogether. If someone blesses you with a car, that's a one-time act of kindness and generosity. And back to the verse before about our children being blessed. I don't know about you, but if you wanted to bless me, I'd rather you bless my kids and grandkids. That's why I got to choose the right thing because I'm opening a door for future generations of my descendants to have not a blessing, but the blessing. Watch it now. A blessing refers to a gift. Last year, a young college student, true story, in Alabama named Walter Carr got a job. He was to start the next morning, and wouldn't you know it, his car went out completely the evening before. It didn't just die, it turned over and died. Rolled over and collapsed. There was no hope for that car. He called a friend, and his friend said, I'll give you a ride, but later that evening called and said, I can't. I've got some other things that have come up. He looked at the map. It was 20 miles away where he had to go to work. So he started at 1130 that night, walked all night long. And the next morning as he entered the, the little city, the, not little, but the city where he was going to, to have a job, a policeman saw him seated on a curb. He was worn out. Policeman stopped and said, son, are you okay? And he said, I'm fine. I'm just going to work. And the policeman said, you look like you're really done in. He said, well, I've walked. And he named the place he had walked from 20 miles away. Policeman said, son, get in the car. He drove that young man to his job and then took a selfie of himself. And that young man posted it and said, I can't believe the dedication of this young man walked 20 miles to make his first day on the job it went viral and among the people who saw it was the ceo of bellhops moving which was the company walter was going to work for that morning that ceo was so impacted he said you call that young man in he brought him in he went and bought that young man a new car and said if you are that dedicated i'm going to see to it you're able to get here you see, the CEO was at one level, but he could give Walter a blessing. The CEO was blessed. I don't want a blessing. I want to be at the level where I am blessed. Oh, 
somebody in the building say amen. Oprah Winfrey had a show that immediately rocked the world when on in one of her shows she made the announcement, everybody here, look under the seat if I remember the way she said it. There are some keys. That's for a new car that is parked out in the parking lot. Everybody in the audience got a new car. They went crazy. You see, but that this is what I want you to notice. The people got a blessing. Oprah was blessed. I don't want to live at the place where I have to exist from one blessing to the next. I want to live at a level where I am blessed. I'm choosing to be blessed rather than receive a blessing. That's what God is literally telling Israel. You see, they're in their blessing. They're in a blessing. They're in their promised land. But now he's telling them there's a dimension beyond this. If you want to hear what I'm saying, I'm going to show you that you can have the blessing of God on your life. Let me, let me explain it this way. If your parents are Bill and Melinda Gates, you don't need a blessing because you're carrying the blessing. You understand what I'm talking about. And the word that is used in Hebrews, in, in, in the book of uh, uh, Proverbs in Hebrew uh, for Proverbs 10 and 22 is actually different than the word that is used in most other places for blessing throughout the Bible. Scholars tell me that the word bless in its various forms, blessing, blessed, bless, blessing, uh, you know, all of this, that and its effects, that they're actually mentioned over 7,000 times in your Bible. Turn to somebody and say, that's a lot. That means God is interested in you being blessed. Over 7,000 times, the word for blessing, bless, what the, 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 the effects of it are mentioned in the Bible. However, the word here that is used in, in Proverbs 10, 22 is only used 80 times in the Old and New Testament in its Hebrew and Greek form. The word actually is the meaning of the priestly benediction that was spoken over worshipers and that they were meant to carry with them when they left the house of God. Because God told Aaron in number six, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his son saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. Hmm. It speaks of carrying an impartation when you leave. You came here one way, but when you walk out, you're carrying something as you leave the house of God. You didn't just get a blessing. You're carrying the blessing. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Amen. Another way to express this is seen in Deuteronomy 28 and 8, the verse that I called your attention to a while ago. The Lord will command the blessing. Now listen up. If I say it, it doesn't mean all that much. But I didn't say I would command a blessing. The Bible says the Lord will command a blessing. How many of you know that when God commands it, it's got to happen? I need somebody to look at your neighbor and say, I'm carrying a commanded blessing. Would you do that? 
God commanded it. I'm not leaving the same way. That's a word for somebody that's here this morning. I walked in this building one way, but I'm walking out carrying something I did not have when I came to the house of God this morning. It's going to be different when I leave here today. Amen. God had given Israel a blessing. That's a contrast that I'm drawing. A blessing. A blessing was that they were now in their promised land. A land that flowed with milk and honey. They were there. They were well into their journey of conquest. They were on their way to houses they had not built and wells they had not dug. But he was now letting them choose. He said, choose rather to go beyond this. You either can be satisfied with a blessing or you can have the blessing. I don't know about you. But I don't want just the blessing, I mean the A blessing. I want the blessing of God on my life. That's why in that song a while ago, Stephanie was saying, Lord, I don't want blessings. You don't owe me anything. I didn't come here today because I need a blessing to get me through the week. I want to walk out of here in a different fashion than I came in. I want to carry something with me when I leave this place today. I want to walk out of here and everybody know and say, what's going on with that man? He's walking in something that I am not acquainted with. Watch it. This is what Jacob wanted from his father, Isaac. He wanted the blessing, not merely a blessing. Contrast that with Esau, who was only interested in a blessing. You see, Esau carried the birthright. The birthright was that promise that was passed on. It started in Genesis 12 when God called Abram and said, I will bless you and make you be a blessing. (laughs) Wherever you go, I will bless you. Whoever curses you will be cursed. Whoever blesses you will be blessed. Hallelujah to the Lamb. It was renewed in Genesis 15 and Genesis 17. But when Abraham got ready to go home, he transferred that patriarchal blessing to his son Isaac. And Isaac is carrying the blessing. Now they've had blessings, but Abraham had the blessing. He now has transferred that to Isaac, who is carrying the blessing. By rights, Esau should have carried the blessing after Isaac. Isaac was going to impart that to Esau, but Esau, all he wanted was a blessing. And so he is out hunting and he comes in and he's hungry and he's missed one day. Can you imagine one day, one day of no Big Macs, amen. And he comes in and Jacob is cooking and he said, give me some of that stew or I'm going to die. You're not going to die if you miss one day of eating. In fact, some of us could probably stand to miss more than one what you should have done, Esau, is said, I declare this is a fast today. Amen. Didn't start out that way, but that's what I'm declaring it. Since I don't have anything to eat. But he didn't. He said, I'll give you my birthright, which is that patriarchal thing that I'm talking about. It's the blessing, not a blessing. Mm-hmm. Jacob said, you can have this bowl of, of food. And, and so he went in and this is what happened. He deceived his father who was blind. People often debate that, say, how could God bless somebody that was 
deceiving his dad. He put on his brother's clothes, the skin of animals, because Esau was a hairy man. And, and when he went in, his dad, dad said, who is that? And he said, I'm Esau. And, and he said, doesn't sound like it. It sounds like Jacob. And you have to learn to go by the voice and not the feeling. Because he put his hands out and touched those hairy skins and said, oh, it's Esau. No, it wasn't. It was Jacob in disguise. Amen. You better watch the devil. He'll try to slip up and disguise himself, trick you out of the blessing of God on your life. Amen. So what happened was Isaac called Jacob close and he kissed him in verse 27 of Genesis 27. And he smelled the smell of his clothing. And he blessed him and said, surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. It was like Mount Gerizim. It was flowing with, uh, with overflowed with just trees in abundance. And you could smell the pollen and the nectar and all of that. And Isaac said, this is the smell of my son. And then he said this, therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth. And plenty of grain and wine. You say, but wait a minute, Pastor. I thought you said that we're talking about the blessing and not a blessing. All these things are blessings. They're the a blessings, right? Okay. Dew, fatness, oil, wine, all of this grain. But look at the next verse. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren And let your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be everyone who curses you. And bless be those who bless you. Amen. You see, Jacob not only got a blessing, he got the blessing. You see, when he walked out of there, he was carrying something he didn't have when he first went in. That is a prophetic word for somebody in this house. I don't know your circumstance, but you're going to leave here today carrying something that you didn't have when you walked in the door. Oh, give God some praise. It's time for a praise break right now. Hallelujah. I'm about done. Esau heard what had happened. And he went to his father and he said, In chapter 27, verse 31, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And Esau said, who are you? And he said, I'm your son, your firstborn. Esau and Isaac trembled exceedingly because he knew that heaven recognized the transaction he had just done. You say, but why? Jacob lied. I know he lied. God didn't like the methodology. But what he liked was the hunger. Esau did not value the blessing. He just wanted a blessing. And God said, I'll choose Jacob because Jacob is after the blessing. I can work on his heart. That's another word for somebody in this building. You may be further from God than you want to be, but if you've got a heart from God, hang in there. God's drawing you in the right direction. Hear what I'm saying. You're not going to be the same a year from now that you are right now. And five years from now, you're not going to be the same person. Isaac trembled and said, where's the one who brought gain to me? Because I blessed him and he shall be blessed. What he had done was a permanent transaction. It was sealed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great cry and said to his father, bless me, bless me also my father. But he said, your brother came and with deceit has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? Because Jacob means a heel grabber. 
Jacob was a scallywag. He was a con man. He would, he would, he would take you on a trip and leave you stranded. Amen. He would, he, you couldn't trust him any further than you could throw him, and that wasn't very far. And Esau said, my brother has tricked me these two times. He took away my birthright. Now there's one of the insights you need to gain. He's blaming his brother for having taken the birthright. He didn't take anything. You gave it to him. Stop making decisions that hurt your own life. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Amen. And now he's taking away my blessing. And then he asked this question. Have you not reserved a blessing for me. I want somebody to say that. A blessing. A blessing. One more time. That's all Esau was interested in. Was a blessing. Jacob wanted the blessing. Mm. I need you to tell somebody I want it all. Would you do that right now? I'm going to lean over and high five somebody. And tell somebody I'm getting it all. I'm not satisfied with a blessing. God sent me today to tell you that he's going to give you the blessing. You're not going to have to live from a blessing to a blessing anymore. You're walking out of here carrying something today. that's going to be different than you came in here carrying. Amen. When God placed the blessing upon Jacob's life, even the old trickster Laban couldn't outfox Jacob. You remember Laban, that was his, Jacob's mother's brother. And he, Jacob had to flee from Esau, so he went to Padanaram. And while he was there, he met up with and hooked up with Laban. And Laban was a bigger scallywag than Jacob was. I'm telling you, you couldn't trust a thing he said. If he told you it was a horse, you better look again. It was probably a camel, amen. And I mean, he could not be trusted. And he set out trying to deceive Jacob. The Bible said 10 times he tried to take what God had given Jacob by changing his wages. But the old fox could not outfox Jacob because Jacob was carrying something that Laban could not deal with. It was too heavy for the enemy to be able to contend with. When you leave this place today, you're going to walk out of here with a blessing that the enemy cannot deal with because it's too much for him to be able to confront. Give God some praise one more time. His tricks worked on everybody, but they didn't work on Jacob. Mm -mm. Tell somebody the enemy can't trick me anymore. Would you do that? He's stolen from me for the last time. Oh, hallelujah. I've moved to another place now. I'm choosing the blessing rather than a blessing. And let me tell you what, Abraham passed on to Isaac and Isaac passed on to Jacob. Jacob passed on to his 12 sons and they in turn passed them on to their families that were the beginning of the 12 tribes of Israel. 400 years later, when they came out of Egypt, they were a massive multitude of three and a half million people. And as they were marching through the land of Moab, and I close with this, the Moabite king, his name was Balak. He looked at them. Have you ever heard have people hate you and they don't know why and you don't either? They're just haters. Tell somebody the world is full of haters. Would you do that? Amen. Look at somebody and say, if you hating on me, get used to it. I'm going to be blessed whether you hate on me or not. 
Oh, you may have a hater on the job. You may have a hater in the neighborhood. You may have a hater in the family. But when you're carrying the blessing, it doesn't matter how many people are hating on you. If God is blessing you, the blessing cannot be stopped. Give God some praise right now. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. We give you praise. Amen. Balak looked down and saw Israel invading the country on their way to the promised land. They were just passing through. Tell somebody, don't get all upset. I'm just passing through to my next state of elevation. That's all I'm doing. Amen. If this worries you now, you're going to really be sweating it when I get to the next place. Amen. If you, you get troubled where I'm at right now, hang on till next week. Amen. Wait till you see me next year. Wait till you see me a decade from now. Wait till you see what God has in store for my ministry, my life, and my family, and my relationship with God. Just wait and see. You losing sleep right now over me getting blessed. You better get you some Ambien or something. You stressing this out, go get some Prozac. You need some help because it's going to get worse before it gets better. I'm going to be more blessed next week than I am right now. I'm going to be more blessed next year than I was last year. I'm going to be more blessed in the next decade. Hallelujah. Balak hired Balaam, the prophet for hire, the prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T, for hire, to come and curse Israel. He brought him where he could see the 12 tribes camp, and he said, okay, and Balaam built an altar and started his incantations, and he got in whatever spirit he flowed in, and, and And he reared back and he meant to say, I curse Israel. And he opened his mouth and he said, I bless Israel. And Balaam said, what are you doing? He said, I don't know. I tried to say it, but it wouldn't come out. He said, well, come over here. Bless them from this angle. So they went and built another altar and he went into his incantations and got in whatever spirit he flowed in and he opened his mouth and said, I can do it now. I'm good to go. I can feel it. I'm good to go. And he said, I bless Israel. And he slapped his hand over his mouth and Balaam said, I'm paying you good money, man. I hired you to come and curse them. He said, well, let's try one other place. And they went somewhere else. And this time he didn't even hold back. He got in the flow. He opened his mouth and he said, I bless Israel. I bless the tents of Jacob. Balaam is jumping up and down over there saying, what are you doing? That's my enemy. Amen. And you see, this is the point. When you carry the blessing, God will turn every curse into a blessing. God will take everything the enemy designed to hurt you. Mm, Would you stand to your feet right now and give God some praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give God some praise in this house right now. That's what's happening to Inspire Church. We have gone from a blessing. Say it. Say it. Not a blessing, the blessing. 
Tell somebody, I choose the blessing. Would you do that? I'm getting over here on Mount Gerizim. I'm not going to stand over there on that bald mountain. I'm over here to declare that I will carry the blessing of God out of this place. I'm going to be like Jacob. You throw me in a direction you won't. I'm going to land on my feet because God's favor is on my life.